Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Driving down 66 This old pickup truck and me In your memory Thinking about how two young kids Became sweethearts till the end When we were ten Welcome back to Bob Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. New theme Thursday. And the theme is actually a theme that centers around the Pro Bowl. But the songs that we are listening to, my man Patrick, shout out to the Dillionaire. He's the one DJing a new theme Thursday. They are all songs that are performed by former or current NFL players. Is that correct? Yes. Wow. And who any guesses this? on who this is? Oh, man. Turn it up again. Let me see if I can get it. I, just, I doubt it. Casey Stuttered. <laughs> no, 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 Casey Stuttered. <laughs> that was good. It's a pro bowler. Oh. I mean, this is a Hall of Famer. It's a Hall of Famer. Hall of Famer. Oh. Man, I should know this. And he cannot sing at all. Wow, he's a Hall of Famer. It's definitely an offensive lineman. It is not. D-lineman. Quarterback. This this cannot be this cannot be Terry Bradshaw. It's not Terry Bradshaw. It's a quarterback. Oh, this I'll... is this is done before I believe he even won his first Super Bowl. I assume is when this was done. Wow. This friends is Troy Aikman. Damn. Wow. I got Troy right Aikman. There. Well done. Someone convinced him to do this, and whoever that is. Should be fired from whatever job they're doing now. Yeah. I never fired. knew Troy Aikman no, had a song out. Yeah, I mean, you can't find it in many places. It's on YouTube, though. You can find it on YouTube. Wow. That song's Troy Aikman, Oklahoma Nights. Bro, they should not be fired. Wow. They convinced Troy Aikman to sing, <laughs> even though he knows he can't sing. That person's a great salesman. Uh, you should hire that, that person song? to sell stuff. Like, the best part is at the beginning of the song, he comes in, he's like, and we're going. You're like, dude, you, you when you're whispering the lyrics, <laughs> it's not, not a good sign. Oh man, that was shocking. I did not that I did not think you were gonna say Troy Aikman there. Okay. My man Patrick has been rabbit holing, folks. <laughs> That's why we call him the Idealionaire. He does a great job, uh, but he's killing it today with new theme Thursday. Uh, I would tell you you can be a part of the show, but Specs Text Line's not really working. Uh, but you can always hit us up via Twitter if you're out there. Yep, yep. Hope you're safe and sound and uh off the roads. And I hope uh actually you have to deal with the end of the falling debris, which is I think most of the problem for us in Central Texas right now. Um but hope you have uh, power back on. We don't have power right now. We're going off for a generator, but shout out to Dave who, and shout out to Derek who are working behind the scenes to keep us up and running. But the Twitterverse is wide open for you. Harge is at Hardball Harge in the Twitterverse. My man Patrick Davis said it's Patrick Davis in the Twitterverse and I'm at Rod Babers in the Twitterverse. Alright, we got a couple of Cowboy stories uh, that I want to get to. They did hire a new offensive line coach and we'll get to that in just a second. Um, I want to uh, get your thoughts, Harge, about these comments from Jerry Jones about 
the wide receiver position. No. Now, actually, it was, I believe it was Clarence Hill who asked him the question originally. Um, He was at the Senior Bowl there and basically asked him, you know, do you think you made a mistake, uh, you know, trading Amari Cooper and the way you guys handled the wide receiver position? And Jerry said, quote, I like what we did. And and this is about the how they handled the wide receiver position. Um, He did get specific. He said, we probably had too much reliance on what Tolbert could do because we were high on him coming out and thought he could he could immediately be a factor, Jones said. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, we had thought that possibly we could have better results relative to Gallup as far as his rehab, so I can say that. Um, but he went on to say the other part of it is the elephant in the room was when I look at the salary involved, over $20 million a year, and I look at what we got with the salary to help this team, that we wouldn't be able to have that with this team, and we kept it. And I like what we did. Um, I'll just throw – I want to throw it your way, obviously, as a Cowboys fan. We know now that at the time Jerry Jones miscalculated the wide receiver market. He was it was in the midst of going through some type of uh, inf- inflation inflation period for the wide receiver. And by the way, it's still happening, and we're oh, yeah. all dealing with it. Uh, but there were there are ten wide receivers now making twenty mil per year, and as we remember, right, probably about I don't know. A year and a half ago, two years ago, uh, that what that number was right around three or four wide receivers making upwards of twenty mil per year. So the wide receiver market has ballooned for whatever reason. Passing league, uh, and it's a passing league. Uh, yep, There's a lot yep, of different yep. factors I think that are in that. Um, and I've always said wide receiver is the deepest position in football, so it, it should necessarily be inflated to this extent because you do have a ton of young talented wide receivers you're bringing in a crop of them every year um, but anyway I digress this thing that is is strange that is that when Amari Cooper got to the Browns he immediately ne- renegotiated and restructured his deal right he, he, immediately as soon as he got there they restructured the deal of his 20 mil a year now 20 mil a year ain't what it used to be because like I said there are 10 plus wide receivers in the NFL now making 20 plus mil a year so and he would have been a market. four million dollar salary hit for the Dallas Cowboys that's yeah. what he would have been during that time and if he'd have played and you traded him for a fifth round pick when we saw all these wide receivers who were in the same they were considered wide, wide receiver ones like Devontae Adams he was 29 but mm-hmm. he went for a first in the second round pick Tyreek Hill 28 years old, uh, traded for five picks, including the first and the second. Um, and then you got Marquise Brown went for a first and a third. Now, he's mm-hmm. only 24. A.J. Brown went for a first and a third. He's 24. But Amari Cooper's not that old. He's 27, probably 28 now. But when he was traded, he was 27. And they were trading him for a fifth-round pick. You miscalculated and misread the market, Jerry. And for you not to admit that. Just shows you that, man, the Cowboys, they're going to have a hard time trying to become a championship contender when you can't even admit a simple mistake like, yeah, we screwed up the wide receiver position this year. Yeah, that's the biggest thing for me is, like, why not take ownership in it? You miscalculated, okay, but that means you failed. So regardless of how you want to, to tie it up and send it to the people out there, what you need to say is I failed when I thought that I was going to get Tolbert and get a lot out of him. We didn't know what his inner 
inner football player was. He wasn't ready for it. Michael Gallup still, he just had another surgery trying to get himself back healthy. So we obviously know he wasn't ready to go. And then you didn't do anything to supplement CD, period. And if it it wasn't even Amari Cooper, why not keep uh, Cedric Wilson? Cedric Wilson wasn't that a was major a part of it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like he he was your big play wide receiver yep. on third down, Dax mm-hmm. guy that he was going through, and he would have been able to be that third wide receiver in that position that you could not feel. And you still wanted to look at, I like our guys. Well, 12 and 5, great. Can't complain about that. What I can't complain about is you did that with bubble gum and mask and tape. Mm. You got through that. And Part of it is your guy, Kellen Moore, drawing up and doing some of the good things as well as bad, but also Dak Prescott be doing some of the things to hide what was being wrong. And, and of course, everybody's upset because Dak kept throwing interceptions. That's because he was forcing balls in places that he shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. And that all goes back to not having a number three. You didn't have – you barely had a number two. Your number two was your tight end, really. So there's a lot, but the fact that Jerry still won't say, uh, we should have held on one more time, or maybe even, re- <laughs> maybe even renegotiate, because I know you're about that to would, talk about yeah. this, the way that he's talking about we need to, we want to keep both Zeke and Pollard. Yeah, we'll get to that, because that's, yeah. Yeah. We'll so, I mean, Jerry, what, you're talking out both sides of your mouth right now, my man. Oh, it depends on the price of Zeke, I imagine, the price of Pollard. Uh, but, we'll, yeah, we'll get to that because that's a different conversation. <laughs> I think it's going to take a little bit more time. But, yeah, about the wide receiver position, um, I've always said this about the Cowboys. I, I don't mind their the frequency at which they draft wide receivers, but I think they should have a higher volume of drafted wide receivers. I have two problems with the way the Cowboys approach the wide receiver position. I do think, just because as my football theorist uh, kind of philosophy, I don't think you should be drafting wide receivers in the first round unless they're just really good. Like, uh, you know, I mean, really good. Like, those guys can be franchise-changing players, and maybe Mm -hmm. you view them that way. But the Cowboys, they draft a lot of receivers in the first round. Too many for my taste. Would it be a Dez, uh, you know, C.D. Lambs, another guy drafted in the first but De- round? Dez and C.D., I'll give them C.D. so far. Dez for sure. Dez was a big time. No, I'm not disagreeing with that. But, so, but my, I'm saying, yeah, I'm yeah, with yeah. you on that. I'm not disagreeing with that. They, they were good players, but my point is about drafting. Wire, I believe the wide receiver is the deepest position in football at any level, at college and pro. And every year I see really good wide receivers drafted in middle to late rounds and ones who are just as good as the guys you're drafted in the first round. Right. And that's kind of my point. Organizationally, I don't know if it's the best habit for the Cowboys. I like the Cowboys' recent drafts with the wide receiver because they are drafting them in the middle rounds. They drafted uh, Jalen Tolbert in the third round, uh, Simi Foco in 2021 in the fifth round. Then they drafted a first round one in CeeDee Lamb. But Cedric Wilson in 2018 was a sixth-round pick. Michael Gallup in 2018 was a third-round pick. That was good. That's quality. Because those guys give you quality reps. 2017, you drafted Noah Brown in the seventh round and Ryan Switzer uh, in the fourth round. And my point is, you look at organizations like Pittsburgh and like Green Bay, some of the most well-run organizations in the NFL, and I look and I compare them, their drafts of wide receivers to the Cowboys, you can tell Pittsburgh and Green Bay agree with my ideology, that wide receiver is the deepest position in football. Why are you spending high draft capital on it. And I'm not, I'm not saying that CeeDee Lamb's not a good player and Des Brown's not a good player and, mm-hmm. and he, he traded for Amari Cooper, all this stuff, good for you. But look at the way the Pittsburgh Steelers approach wide receiver. Last time they had a first-round wide receiver drafted, do you remember? 2006. 
It was Santonio Holmes. I was going to say that had and to be a, Super Bowl champion, Super Bowl MVP. There you go. Who they traded? Yeah. Why? Because they keep drafting wide receivers in late rounds, so it doesn't matter. Since 2010, Pittsburgh has drafted 15 wide receivers in 13 years. I'll go through the list with you: Emmanuel Sanders, Antonio Brown. None of these first round receivers, by the way, third round and less. All right, third round. Some of these are second round receivers. Hell, Cowboys ended up with one. James Washington, Emmanuel Sanders, Antonio Brown, Tony Clemens, Marcus Whedon, Justin Brown, Dre Archer, Martavius Bryant, Sammy Coates, Demarcus Ayers, Juju Smith-Schuster, James Washington, Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, George Pickens, Calvin Austin, and they trade a lot of these guys or yep. they let them walk, but they never have to overpay for wide receivers. They never yep. worry about that. Well, so they always got a hmm. stock of them. And Green Bay's the same way. People complain about Green Bay's wide receivers. Green Bay has in in, in eighteen drafts since two thousand five. They have drafted 25 wide receivers. Last first round one they drafted was in 2002. That was J- Javon Walker. They've only gone four, sorry, five drafts without drafting a wide receiver in the last 18 drafts. Now, the Cowboys are very similar. Since uh, 2005, 18 drafts, they've drafted 14 wide receivers, but they've drafted two of those guys in the first round. They spent another first round on Amari uh, Cooper and you could argue, hell, Pittsburgh drafted 15 in 13 drafts. You drafted 14 and 18. I think you should draft more wide receivers, but more of them in the middle to later rounds and make be consistent about it every year, every other year, and it'll keep you out of situations like you ended up with with Amari Cooper. But you had to go out and get a number one wide receiver for your quarterback. Otherwise, that experiment was going to fail. Yeah, and that's kind of where I am right now. You're looking at Tolbert. I don't think he's going to be a guy that's going to come out and be effective just because he is – he he, if you can't come out in the NFL and you're a later pick, body wise or not, and um, and try to get yourself involved in this because the opportunity was there, I got a problem with that. Mm. I got a problem with that. And then we talk about Simi uh, Fioco for the longest time. He still has not made his presence known within this organization. And these are later round picks. So maybe it's not necessarily just the later round pick. I think it's more of the quality of the later round pick. You need to go get somebody that is hungry to make that move. You tried to make a splash, I'm using air quotes, for Mm -hmm. James Washington. He ended up not doing anything for you. He ended up not being the guy that you thought you could turn around. Now, is that the coaching? Is it the development? Or is it more on the player? At this level, I look a lot of it as the player because your opportunities are there to be had. And if you don't make the most of it, that's on you. Yeah. No, I mean, the the, the Cowboys have to draft their number one wide receiver. And I think a lot of other organizations, they – and they draft him high, like first-round picks. Yeah. Dez was their number one guy. They drafted him first round. He's supposed to be the number one guy. CeeDee Lamb drafted to be the number one guy. Supposed to be that guy. Amari Cooper traded first-round pick for him. Supposed to be the number one guy. I just find it intriguing that other organizations are able to find yeah. number one wide receivers with draft capital in the middle to later rounds, which is more about development, which is maybe right. that's the issue for them. Yeah, that's you what got, I'm saying. Maybe that's a, it. If you need a high-end receiver every time because you can't develop them, that's a problem. Yeah. To me, that's so a huge problem. So I'm just looking at organizationally for the Cowboys. I don't like the fact that they don't they've drafted the fewest amount of quarterbacks in the NFL since 2000. So they don't draft a lot of quarterbacks, and they don't draft enough wide receivers in later rounds. They're always about, nah, we're gonna get, we're gonna have a blockbuster draft for a wide receiver. We're gonna get the top receiver in the draft, and that's great. But you got to pay for that guy, and then you got to pay for him again. Once right. he proves he's a wide receiver one. The Packers, hell, man, they, play, they, pay, they pay Devontae Adams that big contract because they drafted Devontae Adams in the second round. 
So he, they only have to pay him like twice. Yeah. Or as opposed to you had to pay a receiver with draft capital you spent on him, then pay him for his rookie year, and then pay him again for his second contract. These are little small details about running an organization that give you a bit of an advantage. Now, it's not a huge advantage. They're minuscule, small, mm-hmm. little, tiny, all right, slight edges in, of an advantage, but it, they, they, they add up over time. And my point with the Cowboys is too many bad decisions over time, whether it be about your quarterback draft uh, philosophy, whether yep. it be the way you draft wide receivers, overpaying for running backs, which we'll get to, that stuff just adds up. Mm-hmm. And that, that puts you behind the chains. Figuratively, I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. But you get my point. So that's I'm saying. You got to look at this, this, this thing for the Cowboys on a macro level. There's yeah. a reason they keep hitting the same wall in the divisional round. They've yeah. got to start doing things differently. And I know these changes won't take effect initially or instantaneously. But as an organization, they got to start having better, healthier organizational habits. Yeah. And they and, have terrible organizational habits. I was just habits. about to say, it just don't terrible. seem to be headed right? in the right way That they're, when they're, it comes to that. 12 wins, though, I keep saying 12 wins. But you got to get over that hump. you got to finish the race. Agreed. Yeah. Like I said, the, the too incestuous, too homegrown, don't draft enough quarterbacks, don't draft enough wide receivers with later picks. You can just start adding these things up over time. Overpaying for running backs, which you should not do as well. Uh, Zeke is making uh, this year uh, more than the Eagles or the 49ers are paying for their entire mm-hmm. running back position. Mm. And Jerry says he wants him back. Yeah, he wants Tony Pollard and Zeke back on the team uh, up this upcoming season. And Harge, if he cuts Zeke, I believe they can save like eleven point eight million dollars by cutting Zeke. Now they got some dead money; they're almost five million in dead money, but they can save a ton of money. But he is expected to have a sixteen point seven million dollar cap hit unless they restructure his deal, and he's gonna make. Uh, a little less than $11 million in 2023. They definitely have to restructure that deal, and especially if, if if Zeke wants to still be a Dallas Cowboy. He's got to understand a pay cut is coming, whether they move some money, turn it into a signing bonus. One way or another, they've got to move some things around for, for Zeke to be a part of this organization. But do you feel, as Zeke, Zeke said, he'll take the pay cut and do whatever he needs to do to stay there. But if you're Tony Pollard, is that something that you want to deal with, or do you want to test the market? Uh, I think if he didn't have the injury, I think he would want to test the market. Yeah. Now with the injury, I think he'll be more inclined to take your deal because he's it's uncertainty for him too on that on the open market as yeah. a running back. Yeah. Because I, I think if he didn't have the injury, I think he'd be perfectly you know confident. Uh, he'd be really confident in his ability to get high market value. But, man, a running back coming off an injury? Right. Yeah, and knowing that if I'm him, I want to sign that deal before the draft. Also true. Because I know, hey, man, you draft a running back, now now my money goes down because now you don't need me as much. And I go play the free agency, but I'm probably going to have to sit out until I get healthy, then go to a team healthy midway through the season and try and get that contract. But I doubt I'm getting signed during the offseason because anyone's going to go, well, we don't know. Like, what do we care? It's a great point. Yeah. And I and the Cowboys, I've talked about it before. They got one of the best training staffs in the NFL. They really do. They, yeah, they do. It's the one of the top ones in the country. Other players go there exactly. to have surgery. Yeah. I've heard a bunch of high school kids that I know that was like, Yeah, we're going to Dallas Cowboys mm-hmm. uh surgery. I'm like, What? Yep. 
I was like, okay, yes. get healthy. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I, I wonder if he, that plays a role in yep. his decision or if that's a factor in his decision because he's all about trying to you know, come back as healthy as possible. He knows that training staff. Yep. He knows how they work. They, they have, that organization has faith in him that he'll come back bet, better than ever. And Jerry Jones loves to roll the dice on their guys. Oh, my guys. I just love them. Yeah, and overpay his guys. Yeah. So I don't know. I think he's going to stay a Cowboy. I think when he got hurt, I'm sad for him, but I think it increased the odds of him staying with the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, but Zeke—that's good for us. As you got a fan. You got to restructure Zeke or cut him. I'm, you, I'm with you. You got to restructure Zeke or cut Zeke. And honestly, Zeke, are we talking about a serious restructure? And honestly, Zeke it was, should deem it as a slap in the face. And if if Zeke has a good agent, he will not let him take that that pay cut. That too much. Yeah, too much. You, yeah, exactly. but he's already put it out there. I mean, he's verbalized this, so his agent has to know I'm taking a cut because I want to stay here with my best friend. Dak Prescott. <laughs> I bought him luggage. Uh, and Jerry. Listen, Jerry yeah, cuts Jerry, for yeah. Zeke. Yeah, he does. Jerry, Jerry wants uh, wants to go to war with the NFL and Goodell over Zeke. Yep. That's true. Right? That is why that's why he's still mad at Roger Goodell. Yeah, he's cut for Zeke multiple yeah, times going up against the NFL. Very so true. So I, I think that Jerry Jerry really likes Zeke. He wants Zeke to stay. What's the magic number, the compromise between the two? Because the Cowboys, they're already over the cap. Just take some restructuring, but you're about to have to pay a lot of guys. He, yeah. You know, Trevon Diggs about to get paid. Yeah. Right? He's about to get paid. Uh, Michael Parsons is about, Parsons about on, to get yeah, paid. he's on that verge, man. He's about to get paid. You know, so that's a lot. But it can help you salary cap-wise if you structure those yeah. deals in a certain way. And that's why they're talking about uh, extending Dak, too. Because yeah, they no know doubt. if they extend Dak now, it actually could help them and uh, save a lot of money. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you want to get Dak at today's yeah. today's price, all right? What yeah, we say? that's right. Today's price is not tomorrow's price. That's right. Tomorrow's price is not today's price, all right? Today's price is not yesterday's price. Uh, you yesterday's price that, ain't baby. today's price. So, yeah, you want today's price. You'd like to get yesterday's price, but you ain't getting that. Yeah. But you, if you're the Cowboys, you want to pay today's price for a quarterback because it's about to get ridiculous. Oh, yeah. It's about to get crazy. Don't get caught up. Joe Burrow. <laughs> exactly. Lamar Jackson. Ooh, yeah. they about to change the game. Yeah. You want to make sure you get your price in before those guys For sure. ratchet up the market. Uh, all right, we come back. We'll talk Cowboys on the other side. We'll talk Cowboys. we got a brand-new offensive line coach. We'll tell you more about him. And I believe, ball don't lie, we have a favorite um, bandwagon that we're on for the offensive coordinator vacancy for the Cowboys. Yes, we do. I believe that we're all uh, on the same bandwagon. We'll tell you what that bandwagon is when we come back. And also, why aren't more NFL teams – doing this when we come back right here on ball don't lie when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's Rant of the Day. Hold on to your butts. All right, welcome back to uh, Rod's Rant of the Day here on Ball Don't Lie. A couple of things. First, let's talk about the Cowboys stories because those are the two big stories. Then I'll get to... 
you know, my take uh, as to why more NFL teams should at least consider this as an option. Uh, but let's talk about the Cowboys, who hired an offensive line coach today. Or it was, actually, this was yesterday. Yesterday, they hired an offensive line coach. And I thought that, you know, they would hire an offensive coordinator before they hired an offensive line coach. But I think it just show, shows you. And we did get this report yesterday. And we'll have some sound from Jerry Jones as soon as we're technologically uh, capable. But uh, Jerry Jones did confirm Mike McCarthy's calling the plays. So that's why hiring the offensive line coach before you hire the offensive coordinator technically doesn't really surprise me because Mike, it's Mike McCarthy's show. It's Mike McCarthy's offense, right. Mike McCarthy's show. So he's, he's going to hire who he wants to hire. And he likes uh, Mike Solari. Yes, he likes the mics in there. Right? You got more, more mics. Uh, <laughs> um, so he's going to uh, become the offensive line coach. Now, he spent 2018 through 2021 with Seattle. He was an assistant offensive line coach at one time with Green Bay and spent one year um, on the same staff there with Mike McCarthy. So there's some familiarity. He had a two-year run. With the Cowboys under Tom Landry. Yeah, the man's been around that long. He also uh, was in consideration to be the offensive line coach for Jason Garrett with the Cowboys when he hired Paul Alexander instead. So the Cowboys have all, he's already been on their radar. He was the offensive line coach of the 49ers, famously, when Jim Harbaugh was there, when they had that Greg Roman offense. Great offensive lines with Joe Staley and, and, and Mike Ayupati and Alex Boone, Anthony Davis. He can run zone schemes, uh, power and gap schemes, doesn't matter. He's been well-versed in both uh, throughout his extensive career in the NFL. He spent 11 years with Kansas City, and Mike McCarthy was the quarterback coach there for the first two years where he was the offensive line coach in Kansas City. And he was also an offensive line coach for the Giants for a couple of years under Ben McAdoo, who is a Mike McCarthy disciple. So once again, you got those connections, those tentacles. And I like this one even more. He coached with Dan Quinn with the Seattle Seahawks back in 08-09. That was his first time with the Seattle Seahawks. And that's when a young Dan Quinn was a D-line coach and an assistant head coach with Seattle, and his D-line would go up against Mike Solari's O-line, and that's why Dan Quinn probably uh, checked off and approved this hire as well because I assume he is a Mike Solari fan. So he's got a lot to work with hard. He's got Tyron Smith. He's got Tyler Smith. He's got Zach Martin. He's got Terrence Steele. He's got Tyler Biotish. And he's got a lot of familiarity uh, with Mike McCarthy. He's a detail-oriented guy, too. I watched a couple of coaching clinics, and he's real big on the intricacies of hand placement and reading body language. Um, so I think he just gonna, he's going to work well with the system that Mike McCarthy wants to implement. And that's why it's important to understand, too, the detail part of it. That's one thing I think the Cowboys were lacking at times. Look, Joe Philman did a good job with that line with the players that he had and the way he had to juggle mm-hmm. a lot of things around. But, number one, contracts were ending. Number two, you got to get some new voices in there, and there was probably some things that we all saw that needed to be corrected. And now you're bringing in somebody else to correct those things, a different set of eyes, but somebody that you're familiar with. And to your point, I couldn't agree with you more, Mike McCarthy calling plays. He went out and got somebody that he was comfortable with to mm-hmm. bring in, to to put back in his schemes and fundamentals the way he wants them to look. With all that being said, the Cowboys have to change the philosophy and the thought process in which they attack. Yes, you are correct. They did have one of the top five offenses 
for multiple years. That's what they are. That's who they always have been. But you have to get over the finish line. They need to clean up the penalties. They still definitely Mm -hmm. need to do that, going back to the detail part of it. And then they also have to find another way to attack on the offensive side of the ball when teams adjust to you. Mm-hmm. Once they adjust to you and you don't show that you're showing any adjustments, you, you that's what the Cowboys did. They didn't make adjustments and they didn't make adjustments fast in game processes. So that's going to be something that I'm going to be paying a lot of attention to as well. Yeah, um, no, I'm with you. I mean, that's why Mike McCarthy, <clears throat> you know, reportedly is stepping into that role as play caller. Uh, Stephen Jones did confirm there was tension, mm-hmm. uh, a little animosity uh, between Kellen Moore. And Mike McCarthy, and it was probably due to both of those guys being play callers and both of them believing there was a different path to success mm-hmm. for the offense mm-hmm. and for Dak Prescott. Nothing wrong with that, but Mike McCarthy's like, hey, man, I'm the head coach. It's my show, and I agree. He should call the show. Um, he should be able to uh, call the shots as well, and I think that's what he's going to do. It's going to be his offense and his fingerprints all over it, and that's why he wants to hire all the offensive coaches. Right. So there's synchronicity <clears throat> and, and between these coaches, but I do – Agree with you, Harge. We talked about this. I would like someone influential on that staff offensively to be more of an outsider, to yep. have more of a fresh perspective that the Cowboys have been you know, religious about promoting from within, whether it's Jason Garrett or whether it's Kellen Moore or Scott Linehan. They like to promote from within. <clears throat> and Mike McCarthy, he's going to bring in a lot of guys who have familiarity with his system and that he's comfortable with. So he has a history with them and that's fine. But I would love a fresh face, fresh perspective with an outsider's opinion on the process of the Cowboys, their Mm -hmm. methodology, everything they do, because there just might be a better way. You can be doing something a good way, but there might be a better way to do it. Mm -hmm. And the more research I do on some of these OC candidates for the Cowboys, uh, the name that's come up that's been mentioned, and you're on this bandwagon as well, Harge, and now I am too. I think Patrick it might be on there as well. Uh, Brian Johnson, mm-hmm. the quarterback coach for the Philadelphia Eagles. Now we know, <clears throat> of course, he's doing a fantastic job, a fabulous job right now with Jalen Hurts. Got him in the MVP discussion, and that offense is humming right now, and they are not the same offense without Jalen Hurts. No, uh, But he was, uh, he was a fast riser in the coaching community even before he got to Philadelphia. <clears throat> So he was the youngest OC in college at in in the country actually at Utah in 2012. He became a quarterback coach, and this is the part I think you love, you like hard, and why you jumped on the bandwagon so quickly. He was a quarterback coach at Mississippi State with Dak Prescott. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Dak Prescott had his best years, led the SEC in total offense back to back years, was a Heisman uh, semifinalist as well. It was under the tutelage of Brian Johnson. Uh, in 2018, he went to University of Florida as a quarterback coach and turned Felipe Franks into a 10-win quarterback, which <laughs> it, that didn't make sense <laughs> to me at the time. And now it's starting to make sense because I was like, Felipe Franks can't win 10 games in the SEC. Mm-hmm. Well, under the tutelage of uh, Brian Johnson, he did. Also, he became the offensive coordinator at Florida in 2020, and that's when he uh, turned Kyle Trask into a Heisman finalist. Um, they were 1-2 and two in the country then in passing yards and touchdowns, and they had the number one passing offense in the country that year with Kyle Trask, with Brian Johnson calling the plays. And then after that, he ends up uh, with Philadelphia in 2021 and 2022, and we know about the maturation and the growth 
of Jalen Hurts in that time. He's from Texas. Shout out. Yep. Actually from Baytown. So I'm sure him and Jalen Hurts uh, got a chance to uh, connect on that. Major Applewhite once hired him um, in 2017 at U of H to be uh, their offensive coordinator, I believe, yep. if I'm not mistaken there. So he's got an extensive resume. He, he brings in an outside fresh perspective, and he's got a history with Dak. So Dak knows him, and we talked about how quarterbacks need a nurturer, the quarterback guru, the quarterback confidant. He would feel a lot, uh, check a lot of those boxes uh, and fill a lot of that void you have now without Kellen Moore being there for Dak Prescott. Even though he's not, he would not be the play caller, but yeah, would course, you give right. him the title of the, yep. of the OC yep. slash quarterback coach and go and just yep. let him run with that? Yep. Because I know that for some reason— Pass game coordinator or something yeah, like that. Yeah, something like that. Like that. Mm-hmm. And I know that they're still trying to figure out if they're going to keep uh, Brian Schottenheimer around and because and, he's already part of it as an analyst mm-hmm. in the organization. Uh or do they just make that move and say, you know what, let's go get Brian Johnson. Dak already knows him. He's 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 been around him enough. Going back to your point, he's comfortable around him because he was just dealt with the Kellen Moore situation. But it's also somebody that saw Dak at his very best as well when he was at um, Mississippi State. Because the thing that I've been saying the entire time is Dak hadn't been running like he did before. When mm-hmm. he was uh, the rookie of the year, the offensive rookie of the year, he was running at that time. He was he was using his feet, and I thought that that hurt him this past year and even last year. I think that him not being able to move around has been something that he needs to go back to because I think it's an important part of his game. That's a good point. Um, and getting back to Brian Johnson, he uh, also – played quarterback yes. under Urban Meyer and mm-hmm. Dan Mullen, actually, before he hired him at Mississippi State to work with Dak Prescott when he was the head coach there. He offered him his first scholarship uh, to, yep. when he was there at Utah is where he played his college ball. So, yeah, I mean, the more and more you research you do about Brian Johnson, the more you like him. To your point about Brian Schottenheimer, I didn't bring this up earlier, but it is worth mentioning getting back to Mike Solari, the uh, offensive line coach now for the, the Cowboys, when he was in Seattle in 2018 uh, working there with Brian Schottenheimer, there's a connection there because remember Brian Schottenheimer mm-hmm. has been a consultant in yep. uh, an, an advisory capacity for the Cowboys in the last two years. Some people believe that gives him an inside track for this offensive coordinator position, and this Mike Solari hire would lend some credibility to that theory that Schottenheimer is going to be at least one of the front runners for this position. And I, I understand that, but I'm with you, Horace, now I'm – I'm big into this Brian Johnson thing. There are other candidates. Hell, I'm still about Eric Bieniemy. Yep. You can go get him to call plays, make him the coordinator, but he's not going to call plays there. Right. So he can't go there. No, well, he can't go it'd there. Be a, it'd be a dumb move because he's yeah. calling plays there. Because then they'll be like, oh, Mike McCarthy got these guys rolling. Yeah. Uh, but honestly, for the Texans, you brought that up as a suggestion. Yep. And honestly, I know they want Bobby Slowick, but I wouldn't be opposed to them bringing in Eric Bieniemy potentially. But getting back to the Cowboys, I, I, I think they do need a fresh set of eyes. They're such a homegrown team. They're so insane. They, they like to hire from within so much. It'd be good to get a guy who's been a fast riser. He hasn't been at a job for longer than three years. Right. So he is he 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 plans he's on, on to the next. But the success has followed him everywhere he's yep. gone. Specifically yep. with the quarterback position. Uh, I don't know. Cowboys might want to jump on that. And it's a division foe. Yes, and you you're going to get some knowledge. You're going to have to face Jalen Hurts for the next five, six years. Yeah. And this man knows him as well as anybody. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm man. down with that. I would take that. Uh, okay, uh, one little, uh, one other uh, quick 
nugget here. We won't spend too much time on this, just a little bit, because I know we're up against it. So we know that Sean Payton has been traded to the Broncos for a first and a second-round pick, and that New Orleans is going to give up Sean Payton, of course, and a third-rounder in exchange. Mm -hmm. So I went back and did the research about um, head coach trades in the NFL since basically in the Super Bowl era. And I'm starting to wonder now, after doing the research on head coaching trades in the NFL or head coaches being traded in the NFL, why teams don't do it more? No, I know it's costly. I do. It's been costly since 1970. Hell, Don Shula, all right, was traded to the Dolphins from, and the coach received the first-round pick. Imagine how expensive a first-round pick was back then. It's expensive now. Back then, that's a lot of draft capital. Um, But Don Shula ended up building a dynasty. With the Miami Dolphins, two fifty-seven and one thirty-three and two. His time in Miami, two Super Bowls and a perfect season in nineteen seventy-two. Mm. Um, nineteen ninety-seven, Bill Parcells was traded to the Jets, 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 Jets from the Patriots. Patriots got a first, a second, a third, and a fourth. Woo. Wow, that's really that's expensive. a good haul. Uh, that's only, a good haul. Even though Bill Parcells is a goat, we all know that he only went twenty-nine and nineteen uh, in those years with an AFC title game appearance. So it's not bad, but it wasn't right. great. I don't know if it was worth all the draft capital you gave up in nineteen ninety-nine. Mike Holmgren traded to Seattle from Green Bay. Green Bay received a second-round pick. That was all, um, and he actually did pretty good when he was in Seattle. Eighty-six and seventy-four as a coach, five division titles, and one Super Bowl appearance. Uh, Bill Belichick famously traded from the J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 to the Patriots. The Jets received a first, a fourth, a seventh round pick. Um, The Patriots got Bill Belichick and a fifth and a seventh in exchange. And we know how that ended. Six Super Bowl wins, uh, but nine Super Bowl appearances. And he's considered the GOAT as well. Uh, Herm Edwards, that was probably the worst example. 2006, <laughs> traded to uh, Kansas City from the J. The Jets are in here a lot. The Jets yeah. do this way too often. J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. They traded Herm Edwards, and the Jets received a fourth-round pick in exchange, and they were the smarter. Uh, they, they won that trade, I should say, because they were the smarter end. He was 15-33 and 33 as a coach with one playoff appearance. That's all. Um, but Bruce Arians, the most uh-huh. recent prior That's to Sean Payton, he, Bruce Arians was traded to the Bucks. From Arizona, Arizona got a seventh-round pick. Bruce Arians uh, was traded along with a sixth-round pick to the Bucks, and they won a Super Bowl, went 31-18 and in three years. Worked out pretty well. So out of the, out of the six times it's happened in the Super Bowl era, three of them ended in Super Bowl championships. Two of them ended in dynasties. And then you have one AFC title game appearance by Parcells. You got one Super Bowl appearance by Mike Holmgren. And the worst example is the Herm Edwards example in 2006. But honestly, five out of the six, I would say four out of the six, were were no doubt success stories. You won Super Bowls or competed for Super Bowls. And the other one, the Parcells, I mean, you got a one AFC title game appearance, so I don't know if that's that suffices for what you paid for him. You get a first, second, third, and a fourth. So I don't know if that's a win. And I'm not obviously the Herm Edwards one is not a win. But four out of the six times this happened, yeah. You've done pretty damn good. And two of them have been dynasties. Three of them have resulted in the Super Bowl. So fifty percent of the time you trade for a coach in the history of the NFL has resulted in the Super Bowl win. Yeah, and our Denver fans are really excited about that because they got a Super Bowl winning coach. They got a Super Bowl winning quarterback. 
Now they just really need to get back to the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Yeah, easier said than done. Exactly. Uh, all right, that's Ross uh, around the day. We'll come back. We'll get into another off the record on the other side. Right here on Ball Don't Lie, one four nine the horn. Be with me. Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. New theme Thursday, and the theme is uh, about the Pro Bowl. That's the focus of the theme. But the um, the selections, the songs that are played by my man Patrick the Idillionaire, they are specifically songs that are performed by former or current NFL players. And who is this, Patrick? This? Can you pick it up by the voice? Is this, this one, Terry Bradshaw? This, this has is to Terry be Bradshaw. Bradshaw. This is Terry Bradshaw. Because the quarantine crazy is what gave yeah. it away. Yeah. yeah. Right? I want to say I read about that yeah. the other time. All right. There you go. I love it. Great theme uh, for my man Patrick. He comes up with the uh, these ideas that nobody else has come up with, but we always have a lot of fun, and we always learn a little something from it. Actually, we learned today the best athlete slash musician What's his name? Mike Michael Reed? Michael Reed. Mike Reed. Reed. Mike Reed, yeah. And he was like, who was that? Go look it up. Man wrote number one hits. And, Twelve of them, right? Right? And you say he made a Twelve pro, number one pro hits bowl? Pro and bowl? was a Pro Bowler. Come on, man. That's no. the best. We thought Hard said Shaq. Thought I threw out there Master P. Had a uh, shot at it, too. Because uh, he was big at it one time. Because he, he, was, he was trying to try for the NBA at one he time. He was. Raptors, mm-hmm. uh, Hornets. Yeah, he, I remember he, that. He was with a lot of teams. He could hoop back in the day. Yeah. Uh, all right, uh, we've got to get you off the record. Oh, real quick, a uh, shout-out to my man Rob Allegra because he let me know that because I'm losing my mind these days. Sometimes my CTE kicks in and I forget stuff. Uh, but there have been seven NFL head coaches who have been traded. And I forgot about John Gruden, the one I played for. Idiots. Yeah. Like I said, my CTE kicks in. That's crazy. The one I actually the played, one I for, played the for. The one I played for is the one I forgot. <laughs> he was traded uh, for two first rounders and two second rounders for, uh, and by the way, eight, and $8 million. Yeah. Al Davis wanted $8 million too um, for John Gruden, and they won the Super Bowl. So out of the seven times this happened, four times teams have won Super Bowls, yeah. uh, and twice they've actually, the coaches have started a dynasty. At their new new places, their new teams. Well, here you go. And five of the seven went to a Super Bowl, and six of the seven either went to a Super Bowl or a conference title game after being traded. So my point, my question is, why don't teams trade for head coaches more? I know it's expensive, but the success rate is undeniable. Right? Yeah. Like I would have traded for Sean McVay a while ago. Now, what's the price tag on the Sean McVay in his prime? But here's you know? here's where I think a lot of that happens is. Number one, they believe that the guy that they hire is the right guy. Agreed. Number one. Number two, if it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to win because you got to make sure you got the right players in place as well. So the coaches, I mean, the ownership is looking, we'll trade him, but do we have the amount of players and the right players that we need for him to walk in and be able to take this over? And I believe that this one is that. History suggests that. That is not necessarily a concern. Right. History well, suggests that every they do this more times than not. They win Super Bowls. And by the way, it doesn't take long. They don't coach. I've told you before. No team, no head coach has had a starting quarterback that same starting quarterback and take and taking longer than five years to win a Super Bowl. Right. So they're winning pretty quickly. They ain't taking forever. Yeah. I think a damn good head coach is a damn good head coach. They know how to win. They know how to build a roster and they know how to win. And as I've said before, it don't take long. 
It doesn't take Nick Sirianni. It don't take long. Nick Sirianni. Nick Sirianni. He got there. They started winning. That's like if you're a damn good coach, it don't take forever. Sean McVay, it don't take forever, man. They were good enough to be aggressive to go get a AJ Brown too, though. That's what. But they made. They went the playoffs last year. They made the playoffs last year. Yeah, but they didn't they backdoor into the playoffs? They weren't one of the top teams at that time. Wow. I think they you sound were. like a Cowboys fan. Well, backdoored into the play. It's the well, playoffs. I mean, I mean it's we, the playoffs. We, we backdoored in with an eight and eight record. It's the playoffs, before. bro. I agree. They, mm-hmm. But they lost just like, like said, we did first round. I'm a Texas fan, so it's yeah. the playoffs for me. I don't make the playoffs. I, I don't look at back doing nothing. Uh, Derek G ain't looking at back doing nothing too. Um, uh, he maybe. he was on <laughs> he was on True Confessions. I thought about you after I read the story. He was on True Confessions with Jimmy Fallon uh, and Rita Ora on Wednesday night, and Jeter was forced uh, to pick from different topics, and one of them was True Confession, and his True Confession was that he once wore a thong in public in front of thousands of people. Uh, both Fallon and Aura thought it was a fib, but the ex-New York shortstop said it was fact. Jeter explained back in 2002, he got a new teammate who swore up and down that wearing a golden thong would get him out of any slump. And Jeter initially thought it was a load of BS, but mm-hmm. at the start of the 4 season, he had had an, uh, off, he had an offensive rut that he was trying to get out of. He said, every day I'd walk in and I would uh, point, <laughs> and my teammate would point at the thong. So I finally wore the thong. And he said the first pitch of the first at bat with the thong on, home run. And Jeter said, yep, it's a true story. Wow, Harge. Hey. Thong? Hey. Thong mojo? Do what you got to do to get out that <laughs> slump. My man was 0 for 32, if I'm not mistaken. He struggled. He was struggling during that time. So it's whatever it takes to get yourself out of there. Slump busters. He ain't getting one of those. Have you worn? You wore, Have you worn a thong to get out of a slump before, Harge? I went for the slump buster first. Okay, that's okay. We know the slump buster is. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So I, I, I made my adjustments through that way. <laughs> what did you? Anything else bizarre other than slump busting? Yeah, like that. I, there was there was one day, and this I'm not. Kids don't do this. Okay. <laughs> No, matter of fact, I'll tell y'all off air. Oh, yeah, I gotta tell wow. y'all off air, and then we'll decide if I should say it on air. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, it's, it's like that. It, it, it's yeah. There was some. Whoa. Th- it was. It was okay. Let's just you say that. Explain. My homeboys was like, "Dog, your batting practice was awful." <laughs> Let's put it like that. And I fell as- <laughs> and I and I fell asleep on top of the. Of the table. Oh, yeah. After batting practice. Okay. I, I can see why you don't want yeah. this story. The details the out details there. The details out there. All right. Yeah. I get that. I get that. But oh. I did But I did get two hits that game. Hey, well, did it? It, it worked. Way. It worked. It worked. And if it, it works, yeah. hey, man. It worked. Uh, by the way, the, the Golden Thong, apparently they tracked down the owner. At least they did their own uh, you know, amateur detective work. Yep. They said it was Jason Giambi's <laughs> Golden Thong. <laughs> well, because he had one. Yeah. And he would he would yes. bring it in, and people were like, "Did you? What's the sanitation like?" He was like, "No, he wore somebody wore else's thong, but he wore shorts over it. He wore the shirt. He 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 had short the slide, oh, and then he wore the thong put on top of the yes. shorts or the tights yes. or whatever. Yes. I got yeah. you. I got you. He had his sliding shorts on, and then he put the thong over it. Yeah, because you should so never, they weren't touching. You should never wear anybody else's thong. That that, that that's a good one to go wear, by. Thongs should go in. Don't donate your thong to Goodwill. <laughs> Throw the thongs and draws in the trash. 
Even those who are less fortunate <laughs> don't want your old draws and dunks. <laughs> Do, do Goodwill, they don't sell draws at Goodwill. I've been to uh, Goodwill before. I ain't never seen no draws there. I think that was the one that they donate to donate. Yeah, you know what yeah, I'm yeah. Socks are cool. Socks yeah. are great because yep. people need socks. It's cool. Just make Go. sure there ain't no hole in your sock. Or your draws. Or don't your draws. <laughs> <laughs> you know ding, ding. <laughs> uh, all right. That's what about the golden thong. Uh, hey, I want to hear Hard's story. That's what I got we, you. We got to hear this story. I we'll be right you. back with the 6 o'clock right here on Ball Don't Lie, 104.9 The Horn.